My name's Leslie Peterson, and I help bloggers turn their modest websites into thriving online enterprises with SEO, email marketing, and a little hard love encouragement to always move forward consistently and with a plan. Hey, bloggers, I have a question for you today, and that's this. Do you consider yourself a professional blogger? And if you do, or I guess even if you don't, why? What does that mean? So I read that question in a Facebook group last week, and it really got me thinking. I think the answer to me is uh, I became a professional blogger when I decided to start running the entire business like a business and not just a hobby. And I had a discussion about this with a girlfriend of mine who's also a professional blogger. But her initial reaction to me was, well, do I do that? Do I run my blog like a business? Where am I doing that right? And where am I doing that wrong? How am I messing up? And uh, she was kind of saying that in jest, but also truly wanted an answer from me. So it got me thinking about what that really means. What does it mean to run our blog like a business versus run it like a hobby? What are the things that are important differentiators between those two? And where do we fall short? So that's what I want to share with you today. Nine areas that I see bloggers challenged in when they're trying to run their blog like a business, when they want to move from hobby to business, where do they sometimes fall short? Nine areas. So that's what I want to talk to you about today, where things could go wrong. And the first one that I see repeatedly is niche confusion. So if you have too many different types of content topics on your site, it tends to dilute your brand. And with Google, it dilutes your authority. So it dilutes the way that you're perceived by your audience and the way that the search engines perceive you. It also makes SEO a lot harder, but it confuses not just your audience, but your potential partnerships. And a lot of times what we do as bloggers when we're trying to when we come up with an idea or we see a great keyword or we want to be part of a campaign that doesn't exactly align with our niche or the niche that we've assigned to ourselves, we tend to think, well, what can I get away with? How can I take this keyword or this uh, this campaign or this idea and mold it into what my niche is or can I just touch on my niche just a little bit and make it work? And we try to think about, like I said, what can we get away with? Kind of um, the three-year-old mentality instead of what can I do in order to make any future decisions about whether I'm right or not? Unquestionable, undeniable. If somebody approaches you with a campaign idea or you find a blog post idea Instead of trying to make it fit, it's better if you say, yes, this absolutely aligns with what I want to be, how I want to be perceived, what I want to share with my audience, how I want to be known. So it's a 
it's a hell yes or hell no instead of um, instead of that kind of toddler mentality. So niche confusion, that's number one. Number two, weak SEO, which I'm sure comes as no surprise uh, to hear me say that. But when you're lacking an SEO strategy, then you have a lot of missed opportunity, really low visibility. And in truth, less traffic really means less monetization potential across all of your channels, across your ad revenue, across your affiliates, across brand uh, campaigns, uh, the ability to attract new email subscribers. So a strong SEO strategy and plan instead of um, kind of a half-assed piece together, trying to figure it out on the fly kind of um, strategy really makes a a big difference in your ability to make money. Uh, Number three, also probably not a surprise, and that would be neglecting your email list. This is your direct communication to your readers. It's the perfect way to sell your products and to promote your customers and to um, allow people to buy from your affiliate links. And neglecting doesn't mean just not collecting email addresses, but it also means not being consistent in talking with the people whose email address you already have. So that's number three. I won't belabor those two because you already know how I feel about those. Number four is ignoring analytics. If you don't know how much money you're making, from which channels, if it's going up, if it's going down, then you're not a business. You cannot in ma- you cannot make improvements if you don't know where you need to make improvements. And you can't reproduce the things you're doing right if you don't know where that is either. And I am a huge believer in intuition. But when it comes to your money, how much you're making, how much you're losing, where you're making it, where you're losing it, that's that's not a place to play with intuition. You cannot trust your gut there. You have all the tools necessary to know exactly how you're doing in every aspect of that business. And it's your responsibility to track it. So I think ignoring those analytics, and I don't just mean Google analytics, but I mean, conversions on emails, conversions on pop-ups, conversions on affiliates, conversions on your products, um, and how much the cost is for all of those things too. So even if you're not running ads, your your time is a cost. And that needs to be calculated into the equation as well. All of that needs to be tracked. You cannot ignore those analytics and expect for your business to still be around in the future. Okay, number five, relying only on ad revenue. So I know a lot of people uh, don't, uh, they like to dabble in a lot of different um, streams of income, but I think it's important to make sure that you are not a slave to just one type of income. What I hear a lot of people uh, say is that their ad revenue represents, you know, 80, 90% of their income. That is a scary place to be when something goes wrong with the ad network or when Google decides to put out an algorithm that changes everything for you. 
You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to differentiate your monetization strategy. So absolutely take advantage of ad revenue, affiliate revenue, brand contracts, selling your own products. All of those things need to be a part of the the business. And which one of those are right for you depends on what you're comfortable with and what your niche is and what opportunities are available in your niche. But I do know that when you put everything you've got into one line of um, monetization that is not something you control, then you're putting your future in jeopardy. So that's number five. Number six, uh, bad outreach or networking. That's both with other bloggers in your community and outside of your niche and brands. And I'm not just talking about brand contracts, but brand partnerships are amazing. I have some fantastic partnerships with brands where we've never changed any money, but we've been able to help strengthen both brands and work together in a mutually beneficial way. Brand partnerships and blogger partnerships are the fastest way to grow your email list and to grow the sale of your existing products that the products that you own. They are unmatched when it comes to that. So you do not want to shelve those networking opportunities. Number seven, I would say if you're relying only on social media or only on SEO, then uh, your your business is in jeopardy. So this is very similar to number five. But the truth is that whether it's social media or Google, the algorithm is always changing. And not only do you want to diversify where you're getting your revenue from, but you want to diversify where you're getting your traffic from. On the flip side of that, I'm going to say don't diversify too much. And I know this is uh Uh, a little bit of a mixed message here, but you do want to diversify. But if you get yourself um, on every single social platform out there, and you're trying to optimize for every uh, search engine, and you're on all the secondary search platforms, also like YouTube and Pinterest, and you have a podcast, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and you have created a product, and you've signed up for 15 different affiliate sales, you're never going to soar at all of them. You can't do it all. So you definitely do want to diversify, but you don't want to spread yourself too thin. One or two social channels. Focus on Google SEO. Build your email list. Work on having, you know, a handful of products and then pick a secondary search option for you. For my blog, it's Pinterest. That's my secondary search tool. If I were still living in Atlanta, I would probably add a podcast to that. I've added a podcast to this business, obviously, uh, but I wouldn't have and I don't have the focus on um, a podcast and a YouTube channel and a a heavy Pinterest strategy and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts. I mean, it's just too much. It's too much to manage and to be really good at all of those things. So do diversify, but be selective and don't spread yourself too thin. And by all means, reuse your content over um, all of those platforms. Okay, number eight is not auditing your competition, but also means not obsessing over your competition. So I want you to audit 
I want you to know how you're different than them, what they're offering that, and what you're offering and how those things are different, how those things can be viewed differently in the marketplace. Do a gap analysis between what posts you have available and what post your competition has available. Do a gap analysis about what products are available through you versus what products are available through your competition. Audit your competition. Understand who they are, but please don't obsess over them. There's no need to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, you most likely have a completely different business strategy than they do. A business, your business plan is likely different. So you're going to see them doing things when, and you might think to yourself, oh, I should be doing that. But the truth is, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should just focus on those things that you're fantastic at and offer a different kind of product instead of a me too kind of product. So I don't want you to obsess about your competition, but I do want you to keep an eye on them. And then number nine, the final thing that I see blogging businesses fall short on is updating their old content. The truth is, whether Google's algorithm changes happen like they did this year or or not, content decays. It gets old. It uh, it lacks the re uh, the freshness. You lose ranking. You if you don't refresh it, also you lose credibility with your audience, with your readers, because they don't know what content you have is fresh and new, and what content you have is old and outdated. So they don't know when to trust you. Uh, Google certainly doesn't know when to trust you. And it's very confusing, uh, just like the niche confusion, confusion. It's very confusing to both your readers and to Google. So you've got to update your content. It's also a brilliant way to make sure that you're being a good steward of your resources. You don't have to continue to spin out new content at ridiculous levels um, in order to grow your blog. You can retain traffic from posts that are 10 or 12 years old if you refresh them. I have posts on my site that rank number one that we continue to get traffic for that that I wrote 12 years ago. And if I didn't refresh them on a regular basis, they would have been long gone by now. They would be of no value to anybody. But because we update that content on a regular basis, that URL continues to retain its authority. It continues to bring value to our readers and it continues to grow our bottom line. So we're growing exponentially when we add new traffic instead of just trying to keep up the the pace that, uh, that we had in the previous year. So those are my nine areas where I see professional bloggers making mistakes. I think they're the nine things that are most important to focus on, getting clarity on, if you want to move from being a hobby blogger to a professional blogger. So let me know if you think I left something off the list or if you disagree with the list. And if you're curious about updating your old content, don't forget the blog post update checklist in the link below. Hey, real quick, this is Leslie just dropping in to remind you that I have several free resources on my blog right now that I'd love you to get your hands on. Just head over to lesliepeterson.com 
The link is in the show notes below and grab my free blog post update checklist. Or if you're on a journey to fire up your blog's email newsletter, grab my free list of 52 newsletter connection prompts. With both of those, I'll include a video about how to use them to build a solid relationship with your subscribers or work towards doubling your traffic with updates. Grab both of those at lesliepeterson.com.